Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I just watched the most videotape era videotape uh, that I've ever seen. Have you ever okay. seen Far From Home? No, what is this? Far From Home is a movie that's released by Vestron Video, who is <laughs> okay. notorious for being like one of the big video era, like right up there with Canon Films. It's a oh, movie yeah. starring uh, a 14-year-old Drew Barrymore, the Drew Mar- Barrymore that just got out of rehab. Wow, Jesus. So this was the thing she did right after getting out? Yeah, it's got Dick Miller in it as the town sheriff. It's about oh, right Drew Dick Barrymore Miller. and her uh, dad drift into a Nevada town and run out of gas and get stuck there. And just the way. Yeah, and while they're there, um, Matt Frewer and um, another boy, uh, who I can't remember which one. Oh, Anthony Rapp from... Um, Ooh! Isn't it uh, Nightmare 4? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I, I'm going to say a thing and see if it's true. Uh, Matt Frewer is the Wario to Dick Miller's Mario in energy... <laughs> And in countenance, like they thin-lipped, kind of uh, reptilian, but vastly different energies between the two of them. Yeah, so um, this is also a movie featuring a young Jennifer Tilly in a small role. Did she have the voice yet? She did have the voice. God bless. Man, voice of an angel, Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. So this movie is about how um, 14-year-old Drew Barrymore is in a love triangle uh, in a trailer park while there's a murderer murdering people. And okay, the, un, the unseen serial killer uh, light has a remote control truck, like an RC Tonka-ass truck, mm-hmm. uh, drives it under a car to cut the fuel line, drives back into the shadows, drive back with a candle on it, and lights the car <laughs> to explode it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Honestly, we were having a fucking cultural moment in the early to mid-90s with those RC cars in pop culture, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it's also Buckwild because... um, Oh, I'm sorry. uh, Andres Jones and Anthony Rapp are are the two two boys. Matt Frewer is the the dad of um, Drew Barrymore's character, which, to be fair, Matt Frewer, not much older... Than um, than Andres Jones in this movie, who mm-hmm. also takes an ice cube and rubs it on actual thirteen-year-old Drew Barrymore's body while the director Aye. makes very close-up uh, shots. Why uh, she's in a bikini most of the movie? It's very unsettling. <laughs> yeah, but this is all that said. It's got an electronic soundtrack and a remote control car <laughs> that sets other cars on fire, and it's got, uh, it's got that going for it. Yeah, Richard Masser is a grizzled Vietnam vet. <laughs> oh my god. It's... See, here's here's the thing with Drew Barrymore and, and directors. Um, apparently, you know, like obviously because when she was a, a, a wee bairn, you know, her first movie was E.T. And apparently um, it's a thing where Steven, working with Steven Spielberg will spoil child actors because apparently he was like so kind to the kids that he works with and... You know, they, they go to other movies thinking that that's how it's going to be on sets. And a lot of them are like, oh, no, you were in a Spielberg movie. Shit. Um, so that's like the exact opposite energy of, hello, 13-year-old Drew Barrymore. I've got an ice cube and some terrible ideas. <laughs> like, yeah, poor fucking Drew and Barrymore. She's like, I've, I have... I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, she's 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 a hero. Um, so what, what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? Um, besides an R-rated <laughs> feature... Uh, exploiting a 13 year old uh yeah yeah aside from that (laughs) i also just got a package of um stickers to go on my movies that are uh reproductions of the old uh movie genre video store stickers so i've got uh those not for children circle stickers that were on all of the best anime tapes in the oh yeah with the uh if, if you're getting like cutie honey or something it's like a frowning child like looking yeah. balefully oh, at man, you like this I is bad. This was a good movie. yeah <laughs> no, don't, don't 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 make me watch dirty pair like, <laughs> yeah it's com- completely right yeah, honestly so I i've got never a stack of those from um the etsy classic uh classy plastic 
uh, and they're very good. Oh, also, <laughs> that's wonderful. Little elephants that are saying, "Don't forget the popcorn." Ooh, that's you want those. I yeah, think you definitely. I definitely need every movie in my uh, library when I pull it out of the uh, off the shelf to to prompt me to grab snacks as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I feel like I can still smell what video rental stores smelled like what it is you've got to find some kind of like way to distill it like perfume uh story of a murderer style where like you find a way to hyper distill the smell of a blockbuster and just make it so that the little free blockbuster just gives off a slight a slight scent oh yeah you know one time i ate candy off of uh the floor of a blockbuster and i got a rotavirus so i'm not very nostalgic (laughs) for the smell of a blockbuster but i do i I hear where you're coming from holy shit that's how you that's how you get that's how you get a virus yeah Yeah. um like a blockbuster floor blockbuster it's mold that's the smell it's the mold the carpet. Yeah, it's like fog machine. You know what? Uh, uh, that's the thing. All of the things I'm nostalgic for smell-wise were probably just mildew. Like haunted houses, blockbuster, uh, yeah, abandoned buildings that I would wander into with my shit heel friends when I was like eight. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, the uh, the ghoul shit that I've been consuming this week, uh, I've been reading a book called The Butchering Art by Lindsay Fitzharris. Ooh, I'm going to um, read this one. Oh, it's so goddamn good. Uh, It's all about how um, 19th century surgery was basically a gruesome game of Calvin ball, (laughs) where it's just surgeons, like, there were these huge operating theaters, and they would just hack into people, and, like, the, you know how you think of surgeons now, and you're like, oh, you know, like, it's really ideal if they have really, like, nimble hands and dexterous fingers, and back in the day... You didn't. You didn't want to put all of your points into decks. You were really pouring them into strength, surgery-wise. <laughs> like if you had to crack someone open or really get in there, um, and it's just basically uh, there were uh, a lot of bodies getting stolen during this period because, as you might imagine, um, when like grandma or grandpa dies, you know, if a, a man in a stovepipe hat comes around and goes, "Hey, can we have grandpa's body for purposes?" Of course, you're going to be like, "Please leave my home immediately." Um, but, you know, these doctors needed to figure out, like, hmm, what what does a heart look like? And so there were, like, roving goon squads of grave robbers hired by universities to provide bodies. It's a whole lot of whole lot of... Have you um, seen Dr. Death yet? It just came no. out, um, as of recording, it came out on the 15th, so, like, this week. It's, I haven't gotten to see it either, uh, but it's based on the podcast, which is a true mm-hmm. crime of the same uh, title. About yeah. uh, Dr. Christopher Dunch, who was basically um, a hack that that murdered and butchered a lot of people because he didn't actually know <laughs> what he was doing, but was able to convince hospitals that he was a competent surgeon. First of all, Dunch doesn't sound like a name. That sounds like a name that like a racist alien thinks that a human name sounds like. <laughs> it's it's me. I'm Jeff Dunch. Um, but yeah, honestly, the, it makes me think of that kids in the hall sketch where, um, it's just this guy monologuing about how, like, I'm not a very good doctor at all. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm handsome and really friendly and everybody helps me all through med school. I've, I've killed so many people. Um, yeah, and it, yeah. this is like in real life. That's what happened with this guy. Hachi mu- so he, was, wait. he was really attractive and really popular and, uh, he had a medical patent and he just got to do Man. surgery and paralyze people all the time. Oh, he's a neurosurgeon. Oh, of course. No, he couldn't just be a fucking podiatrist or something. Not that foot trauma isn't bad, but Jesus. Am I, how, how long did... Which, by the way, this whole time I've been picturing the wrestler Dr. Death Steve Williams <laughs> doing these things. So I, I need that to be in the mix. Um, how long did this fucking guy get away with this? I, it's a long time. Uh, longer than it should be, and it was the kind of thing where <laughs> mistakes were made. He he hopped hospitals, and in Texas there are laws that don't really. Um, it happened in Texas, of course, of all American naturally states, yeah. and mm-hmm. the laws are such that there's not really a lot of culpability. And like he would run afoul of a hospital, and they'd say, "Okay, well you can't do surgery here anymore," so he would just go to a different hospital. 
Well, in Texas, of course, if you mutilate somebody uh, with uh, a scalpel and they find out that you're not really a doctor, they actually uh, chase you out of town uh, shooting at the air while you hold your cowboy hat on your head with a a cloud of dust behind you as they run you out of town on a rail. And then uh, you go to the next town and it all starts over again. Also, Joshua Jackson is playing Christopher Dunch in this TV show. No shit. Yeah. Ooh, he is a handsome man. I'd put him <laughs> yeah. in my hospital. Yeah. yeah, so Dunch is a handsy dude who's just also a, a maniac. <laughs> oh, I'm excited shit. to watch it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. This is I've it's been a medical year. Like I've been reading a lot of gross medical uh nonfiction books, which I don't know if this is me we- feeling weird about getting older. I've I've been getting a lot more white hairs. And I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about the body and rotting a lot lately. So, for what that's worth. Speaking of the body, comma, and rotting, let's get into the first movie we're doing for this week. Um, we are talking about 1987's Munchies. Um, now, which let's, is by- look at, let's look at the timeline here. Okay, Gremlins came out in 84. Critters came out in 86. Mm-hmm. Munchies, 1987. See, this is incredible to me because it's those two movies. You know the thing about how there's a conversation about, like, The Smiths, The Cure, and then, like, Distant Third, Depeche Mode, I guess? (laughs) I feel that with uh, creature feature puppet movies, it's uh, Critters, Gremlins, and then in Far Third, Ghoulies? This feels like a Ghoulies knockoff. Like, this is a knockoff of a knockoff of Ghoulies, which was, of course, the one where puppets emerge from the toilet to yell at you. This feels um, like a Hobgoblins. <laughs> Actually, I just watched Hobgoblins in comparison. We we lucked oh, wow. out by choosing Munchies instead of Hobgoblins. <laughs> Hobgoblins yeah. did not have the budget to make the mouths of the goblins move, so they basically oh, just boy. threw uh, the equivalent of Wrestle Buddies at actors and were just like, figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it was good enough for Rock and Roll Nightmare. Just huck a fucking puppet across the room and hope that the camera catches it okay. Um, now, this is a a, 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 a gremlin-filled thing where, like, okay, there's a, there's a thing I don't appreciate if you're going to make a movie like this, and it's little puppets causing mayhem. I don't want them to talk, and I don't want them to be horny. That is just two baseline things that I need in a movie like this. And yet... In Gremlins 2, we get talking and horny. <laughs> oh, that's true. We do get Lady Gremlin. And Spider Gremlin trapping pretty ladies in a web. And Shit. also Flasher Gremlin in the first one. We did, man, you know what? You've, you've convinced me. Actually, I'm totally apparently okay with little Gremlin puppets being, being horny. Um, Except, they... I don't know. There's something unsavory. I, I think the problem... The difference is... You have beautiful um, ace mascot uh, Gizmo. Oh, Gizmo is an ace mascot and a friend. Like yeah. he's so yeah. like you yeah. have that chastity to balance out the gross horniness. Whereas there are no uh, pure munchies. They are all just foul little beasts. <laughs> They're nasty loitering perverts. Wait, are you telling me? That if you get Gizmo wet after midnight, or you feed him after midnight, or you get him wet or whatever, does he become horned? Like, when you become an evil gremlin, is that when the horned comes out? Basically, um, he comes like gremlin eggs when he gets wet. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he only gets horned after midnight when he's all wet and hot and bothered. You know, actually, that's it's. You know, I'm 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 gonna uh, go on the record here and say that I am more comfortable being around a horned up evil gremlin with the scales and shit than I would be around a horned up uh, before gremlin. Like yeah. that would <laughs> that would be fucking upsetting. I don't want an amorous Furby. Although uh, I think making, it might be eyes. something like personality, because if we remember in the um, second Gremlins movie. Uh, we get evil, fuzzy gremlins, and even in that, like, Gizmo's like, I don't like these guys, they're too turnt and horned for me. <laughs> so I yeah, believe it's yeah. just Gizmo himself is a chaste mogwai. Yeah, he, he reproduces asexually, and other than that, mostly just wants to hang out. Yeah. Um, Mount Munchies, I believe these are a- aliens? Uh, maybe aliens. So this is one of those movies that actually gets into uh, 
Starman uh, aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> Theory, which, by the which way, is incredibly problematic and racist. It's super racist to, to be like, yeah, I bet brown people couldn't have made all this stuff. It was probably aliens. Like, never mind that they had no regard for uh, work ethic, like ethics and the uh, rights of of uh, sla- enslaved people. They just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it, it was it was probably just some aliens that uh, that did this. We now this movie opens up, and I am completely convinced that the makers of Munchies uh, had just gotten done watching Raiders of the Lost Ark on cable. Hundred percent. This fir- is a Roger Corman movie. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and because it, it opens up with like there's a there's a temple and there's a guide named uh, Ramon and it's incredible because um, it's this little wiener looking fella in a Marty McFly jacket who has the haircut of Paul Reiser from Aliens uh, and he's accompanying his dad to look for question mark question mark aliens yeah his dad is a racist who does not believe that indigenous peoples could build pyramids he his dad is dressed like four couches taped together in the shape of a man. <laughs> like he's it's a lot of pattern mixing and and uh, it's a lot of polyester. He they eventually uh, Ramon tells them that there's like a curse in this crypt and it you'll it'll fuck your shit up and they do not listen to Ramon. I feel like if you're in like a dank crypt and someone says the word curse instantly, my ears are perking up like a fucking border collie. Yeah, and so they find this munchie, as we will. Now, we also have to remember that this movie had a 1992 sequel, Munchie, which is uh, which stars Dom DeLuise as a much larger but still uh, little uh, talking munchie. Are you shitting me? No. They got, they got Dom DeLuise Dom... just eats a lot of pizza as this one. <laughs> He's, he's the same munchie, but just a little bit bigger, and he just, like, eats pizza and gets into shenanigans. Also, um, <sighs> Angus Scram is in Munchie. What the fuck? All right. <laughs> we, they, they, had, they had that kind of... I mean, not that, you know, Angus Scram is, like, Sean Connery or something, but, like, listen, I feel like Angus Scram, he's horror royalty. Like, you at least gotta take him to a mid-tier sit-down restaurant. That's I'm that's incredible that they had that much money. You're scrim, um, your family. You have to have unlimited <laughs> breadsticks. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, now th- this movie is also um there's a uh, love interest um for the the little wiener guy named Cindy who wears a hat that looks like it was crocheted from newspaper. Yeah, it's um the costuming in this movie is wild. It's wild, and then you get to Cecil Waterman, who is the uh, uh, the secondary, I guess, antagonist of this movie, aside from the the titular Munchies. Uh, Cecil Waterman, how would you describe this man, Quincy? He is wearing a Western shirt that has the metal collar, like the the tips don't. It's not collar stays. It's like just metal bracketing that makes the the collar tips, and then he's got a bolo tie. And um, Phil Spector hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like okay. You know, um, on Salute Your Shorts, the um, the Freddy Krueger uh, XB that they had on that thing was the Zeke the Plumber. Yes, yes. He looks like the hunky before picture for, for Zeke the Plumber. <laughs> <laughs> like before, you know, the ravages of time turned him into an evil plumber. Like he's got this huge fucking. Burt Reynolds mustache and this big Ronnie Spector hair, uh, and he oh, and a is... powder blue suit. Oh yeah, yeah. He looks like he is about to go to evil prom, um, and he is a local businessman who there's like a running gag throughout the thing that uh, you know Cecil Waterman. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Um, he is trying to uh, get a mall created. He sells all manner of products, and we just keep getting these commercials of him addressing the camera. Yeah, and the big uh, ultimate um, boondoggle, the ultimate uh, project he has is a mini golf park. And the the yep. climax of the movie is a battle between humans and munchies in a 
mini golf uh, course. <laughs> Which feels right for the movie Mungies, actually. It is uh, a, it's like a metropolis of mini golf. It is a 36 hole uh, mini golf course. Quincy, did you play a lot of uh, mini golf when you were a kid? I love mini golf to this day. Shit. Yeah. Yes. Or oh my I god. I prefer to call it by its true name, Goonie Golf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If they rebranded it to Goonie Golf and that's the only thing people were allowed to call it, there'd be a resurgence. I'm I'm completely sure. Quincy, I'm so happy that we both are uh, uh, into playing mini golf. There is as a, a thing. um new I haven't gone since uh the pandemic started, but there is an indoor mini golf course in town. And you you walk around inside of a warehouse and there's a mini golf course just there. I mean, I would rather blow my brains out than play actual golf. But listen, you get a paper mache dinosaur and a windmill in the mix and I'm showing up yeah, to, sure, to, sure. to your mini golf. Um, now, so he's he's trying to get the mini golf thing going. He has a fail son. Um, <laughs> now, uh, th- this guy, I don't know his name. He looks like... He kind of looks like Nicolas Cage. His energy is like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it really doesn't matter that we can't remember his name because he's almost immediately killed by the Munchies. Oh, he his they they light that us they light that ass up pretty much immediately. He is a uh, fail son who is super into doing the the weed, and he's really into the Grateful Dead. So this hippie is done in by the Munchies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know We're what doing that is. That? We're really gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> they had to introduce that just to go. You get it. He died of the munchies, and then move on Im- immediately, so that we no longer have to make weed jokes. Uh, there's a thing that drives me crazy about Fail Son, which is that I feel like people making movies don't know what stoners are like or are into in modern times. Everybody has, like, Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare does this thing that drives me crazy, which is, like, uh, Brecken Meyer, uh, his character who's, like, a young stoner with an overbearing dad, and, like, when he gets stoned, like, Iron Butterfly plays, and it goes super psychedelic, and, like, fuck off. Like, by this point, we should know that stoners are maybe not into psychedelia and the Grateful Dead. Yeah, they're watching uh, Rick and Morty and listening to One <laughs> Tricks Point Never. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he uh, is playing hacky sack at one point. There's a line that I think about, uh, that I've been thinking about a lot since watching this, which is, he's playing hacky sack, and his father, Cecil Waterman, just yells, hacky sack, that's the game you hippies play when you're doing drugs! And, like, yeah, that is the game that apparently people do. There's big boomer energy with Cecil Waterman, with hating being called man by his son. So let's start with the appearance of these uh, puppets. Uh boogers they yeah, they look like boogers in cloaks they're they're boogers in jawa cloaks they're the weirdest <laughs> yeah. like for a movie where they are the creature that is going to be featured they don't <laughs> seem to they did not seem to spend a lot of time on designing the monkeys it's, it's less of a creature feature and more like a creature thumbnail of like this is maybe the the drawing of the thing that eventually they were going to flesh out. Like, if you're going to name the goddamned movie after these things, you might, I don't know, pump a little bit more money into those effects. Yeah. So they're these little boogers wearing Jawa cloaks, and almost immediately they murder this kid and uh, get a hold of a gun? Yeah, yeah. They, they find a gun, which they... I don't know how they hold it with their little hands. They look like... Uh, if they made, uh, you know those uh, homies uh, plastic toys you get at like the grocery store? Yeah. They look like a homies figurine of the Eraserhead baby. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, just this melted, congealed little thing in a cloak. And they find a gun, uh, and they murder the shit out of Fail Son. Um, it, it's not a very satisfying death. No, it's, it's really a throwaway kill. He, he really deserves more. Uh, but it... He, it's the inciting incident for everyone to realize, oh, actually, these guys suck and are awful. They also Which, realize that when they maim and harm a munchie, they multiply. Now, what's incredible about this, first of all, like, I'm infuriated that a creature canonically referred to as a munchie 
is not eating fail son like they shoot him with a gun and then go on the lamb like what the fuck it's <laughs> they why steal are... a car explode another car <laughs> they turns into natural born killers like you're a puppet called the munchies like you're not like uh, we're not getting shots of these dudes chewing on this guy like a snickers bar like why are they the munchies indeed well I, you know, it, I mean, it's, it feels silly to be questioning the movie The Munchies uh, about its decisions. Um, yeah, this is our lot. We've chosen to do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, for a minute it turns into Mad Max uh, on the road because there's this old lady in the car uh, that runs afoul of the Munchies and they commence a chase and the car goes flying and the Munchies are shooting at an old lady. Like, this movie um, is completely insane. Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, buxom 80s models who are being uh, sexually harassed by the munchies in this movie. Mostly what they do is sexually harass women in this film. Like, it's always like there's like a pretty lady walking and then it's just them cackling like horny old men. And it's like, I'm sorry, in the movie The Munchies, can I have them like eating a guy or something? Like, why are they catcalling a woman? It's just, and like, you're the size of a nectarine. What do you imagine you're going to do, little munchie? Like, you're entirely too horny. You need to put it away. So then we get, uh... Not a whole lot else. We get some plot <laughs> about how they can regenerate. And then the best part of the Do movie, uh, you know, well. let's just skip to the end. There's this, <laughs> there's this uh, giant 36-hole golf course. And uh, the munchies have holed up in all the windmills and small buildings. And continue to throw things <laughs> at the town who's trying to golf mm -hmm. i like that the town cannot you know they're just doing what i do like if uh little pocket-sized gremlins are trying to uh, cause a ruckus i'm playing through my guy like i'm trying to play some fucking mini golf i'm now, not we also I'm have not to talk about this. the sheriff in this the actual sheriff is the dad from pete and pete oh yeah the, and the he has been gone yeah. for the majority of the movie at a police convention, because right. one of the only jokes of the movie is he that one of the only jokes that lands, I guess, uh, and that's Hardy Rawls is Big Ed. So Man. Big Ed gets back from the police convention and he's like, "Look at all the swag I got! I got all of these <laughs> beanbag guns and batons and this new helmet," uh, and his. So, little Ed, Eddie, is, in this movie, been terrorizing everyone because he's the sheriff deputy who's, like, drunk with power. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a little peckerwood, this guy. Yeah, and then they're just trumping up charges to, to harass everyone. And uh, Ed Rawls, or Hardy Rawls, is like, okay, we're gonna, you know, murder all of these gremlins. I guess. <laughs> and then they start yeah. shooting gremlins. I'm sorry, munchies. <laughs> Lenny voice, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, ugh, yeah. They Now, they shoot them. I, do they start dividing when they get shot? Yeah, yeah, because they, they shoot them, they take knives and chop them up. Every time they make them into, like, bits, each bit becomes a munchie. Now, is... The implication that if you continued chopping them up forever, they would become infinitely smaller until we had, like, microscopic munchies? No, I think they grow. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. So, yeah, you get a piece, and it fills out the rest of the munchies. So, like, if you cut a munchie's hand off, that hand would grow the arm and full body of a new munchie. So if you if you drop one munchie into a blender, buddy, you've got yourself at least uh, a dozen munchies. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, and so it's, the ending, uh, it just kind of ends. Yeah, this movie's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> However, we do also, the, there is an actor in here who's the EMH program from uh, Star Trek Voyager, uh, who plays an ice cream shop owner who wears an ice cream cone hat on his head uh, throughout yeah, this movie. Yeah, and big mood for this family, because his wife also wears the ice cream hat and they make their son dress up this way too um and yeah so this movie now i will tell you i had a lot of fun with munchies 
I'm glad you did because I did not. <laughs> I think I had fun with it because I was sort of like I was watching it while practicing guitar just to like have something to do with my hands because like there's no earthly way I'm just going to sit down and watch this movie while not doing anything else. Yeah, uh, it does, so, yeah. it cannot have your full attention. <laughs> no, no, if it'll lose you instantly. There's it 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 cannot happen. Um I will say also uh, there's one thing that this movie spared no expense on and it is the soundtrack um because they've got this uh theme tune that's very French horn heavy. It kind of sounds like Reanimator a little bit. Yeah. Which itself sounds like Psycho. Um which is a choice, you know. Um and like it's the one good piece of music that they you can tell that they're trying to get as much mileage out of it as possible by having it pop up anytime the munchies are, are uh, doing their shenanigans um, there's just too much downtime in this movie not enough creature shit too much sexual harassment that's my feeling yeah it's pretty gross now let's look at our list uh, at the very towards the bottom mm-hmm. we have similar creature uh, feature shenanigans of Gremlin Singular? Oh, the this, the lone Gremlin uh, at number 515 from 2017, which was a mockbuster. Although actually not totally a mockbuster because it was not anything like the movie Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. It was just a, this is a thing that has the same movie as a, has the same name as a popular movie. The gall and the gumption, honestly, to just be like, yeah, whatever, we're just going to name our shitty movie Gremlin. Like, nobody's going to be thinking that this is Gremlins related. Um, it's like, it's like the Predator and then Predators. Uh, at, I feel like this is at least better than Gremlin because yeah. we get the EMH program in the mix. We get uh, a... a I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I was going to try saying redeeming things about this movie and kind of can't. Now, here's the thing. At number 498, we have Ghastlies, which is a movie that's a direct homage to munchies and ghoulies and critters and all of those. And it's certainly hmm. better than Ghastlies was. Man, I actually, I feel like... I can't even can't even believe I'm going to say this. I think Ghastlies is a better movie than Munchies because maybe it's just like the benefit of time and it's had enough movies to draw on since uh, the movie Munchies. But like, there's something kind of there with uh, Ghastlies in a way that this movie was just sort of like, this is dumb fun. My brain is completely off. Yeah, yeah. I think um, Gasly's was a more of a passion project, mm-hmm. and Munchies is just a paycheck. Yeah, you could see that love on the screen. Like, I don't really give a shit about the the Ghoulies movie where the puppets pop out of the toilet to yell at you, uh, but you can tell that the people who made this really like it, and I think that comes through in the way that it's shot and the way that it's acted. Like, it's enjoyable. Like, uh, Munchies is just, yeah, it's... Munchies is like Munchos, the snack chip, which is light and fluffy and salty and kind of fun, but mostly you have like a few of them and then you're like, I'm, I'm okay. By that uh, metric, then we'd have to put Munchies below Nocturna, which is number 500, because mm-hmm. Nye Bonet, every time you watch Nocturna, uh, which... Unfortunately, I have watched more than one time. Uh, it's rough, but Nye really believes in herself in this movie. Yeah, that's, that's and a good you point. you can see in several places where she's like, this is going to do it. This is going to make my career. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> yeah, reader, it did not. Yeah, totally. Honestly, actually, I would I tell you what. Right underneath Nocturna at number 501, Quincy, we've done over 500 movies on this podcast. So many movies. So many goddamn, we've seen so many movies. Um, Right underneath Nocturna at number 501, we have uh, VHS semi-classic nudist colony of the dead from 1991, which has kind of a bitchin' soundtrack at least. Yeah, and also has some uh, very large uh, puppet boobs. Oh, listen, nothing wrong with big, ridiculous puppet boobs. I mean, what it is, I feel like I gotta put Nudist Colony of the Dead, I've gotta put that over munchies because they commit to the big Muppet boobs in a way that this movie could not be fucked to make decent puppets. Right, right. But, 
right below Nudist Colony of the Dead is at number 502, Hellraiser Inferno. Oofa doofa. This is the one where the the guy, the not Cenobite, just the regular human eats and vomits paper, right? No, no, that's Hellraiser Judgment. That's another terrible Hellraiser sequel. <laughs> oh, no, Hellraiser Inferno <laughs> is the one where uh, may, uh, Mayhem from the car insurance ads. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, makes bad sexual decisions. It. I kind of like Hellraiser Inferno. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is, but when you tell me, I'm like, oh, that's the one where they like lean really heavy into body modification, and they're like, oh yeah, this is the true <laughs> calling. Oh, it's great. Like especially as a post original two Hellraisers, it, it, you know, Pinhead kind of gets his groove back. I feel in Inferno because <laughs> like you, you know he did Hellraiser one and two with like the crew of like Butterball and Chatterer, and then Hellraiser three was like uh, I kind of just had to put these centibytes together on the fly with like what I had lying around. So here's a guy who shoots CDs at you. Thanks for coming <laughs> out. Um, and then yeah, Hellseeker at least you get some some cool some cool shit going on. Now right below Hellraiser Inferno at number five hundred and three is the original When a Stranger Calls featuring the the, the great Carol Kane. Uh, Excellent I'm gonna... opening scene. Rest of the movie is just boring. <laughs> yeah, it's a two jump chump for sure. I feel really confident actually putting, and I know that this is probably going to be really upsetting for some people. I am definitely putting Munchies above When a Stranger Calls. I'm comfortable uh, with that. Yeah, yeah. Because When a Stranger Calls, like, again, uh, iconic, like, first ten minutes of the movie, and then you just sort of fart around until the credits. And it's it, it's a movie that was, like, a perfectly fine short that had no business being a feature film. Um, so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, so coming in uh, at our new number 503, uh, above When a Stranger Calls and below Hellraiser Inferno is Munchies. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, the next thing uh, we're talking about, which is, holy shit, goddamn, uh, Fear Street uh, 1994, which is on Netflix now, and it's the first part of a uh, trilogy uh, dropping on Netflix spanning between 1994, 1978, and 1666. Um, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I fucking adore every part of this. I'm so glad you said that, because I also really am on board. Uh it's probably the nostalgia, but I want to argue that even though I was won over very quickly with the first scene, mm-hmm. the way the movie runs, it held me until the end. So, no, like, yeah, it, the the characterization is so good in this movie. The everything about it is great. Now, now here's yeah. something that I want to talk to you about, because I'm not as familiar with teen horror as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Lee Jeniak is uh, known as a director on the uh, Scream TV series, which is yes. very maligned by a lot of people. <laughs> I would say unfairly maligned. That's That MTV Scream series is fucking great. Yeah, like, and I feel like Lee Jeniak really gets teen horror completely now and, and you're totally right like when you bring up the the nostalgia with uh fear street 1994 like i'm kind of a uh, I'm, I'm kind of pissy about being pandered to um which i think is one of the reasons that like stranger things is like fine but i could never quite get into it because like like there's some good stuff with stranger things but a thing that really you know kind of got on my nerves was the constant like hey this kid really likes the thing you know the thing and it's just like yes I have seen movies, um, and it's not nostalgia for the it's sake like of nostalgia. It's like one notch below Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with this, w- one of the things that won me over nostalgia-wise is that, like, first of all, aesthetically, this looks like fucking 1994. Yeah, um, they re- the set designer it knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and it's a thing that I, I, I like a lot that, like, it looks lived in. It doesn't look like, hello, it's all of us with our uh, regulation 1994 couches and outfits. Like it, I like that they went to the Goodwill and bought thing and got things from 1989 and then they're like yes because none of us bought new none of our parents bought new telephones they're like we're just gonna keep the same stuff that we've all always yeah had. yeah it's fucking great now it's so uh fear street did, uh, real quick quincy did you ever read any of the fear street books when you were uh, a little one no when i was a little one i was too scared of 
R.L. Stein to ever mm-hmm. read. And I really have been kicking myself recently for this because now I fear it is too late to uh, go back. You know how you can never mm-hmm. go home again? Like, yeah. I can never read a Goosebumps or a Fear Street book and really get it the same way that I could if I was an actual angsty teen. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not going to stop me from trying, of course. Oh, but, of course. Listen, we're, yeah. we're all uh, we're all trying to stick our heads into the Halloween trick-or-treat buckets from McDonald's in our own way. <laughs> like, it's... I mean, the thing but is... No, like, I, I never read these at the time. Did you? Um, I... There was a dude I had a crush on when I was a, a little, little kid. Well, we were on, like, a camping trip, um, and it was with one of my dad's uh, friends, and he uh, he had a son who was there, and he, you know he th- this other kid had a copy of uh, Fear Street where it was something about like it's it's the I, I recall it being the usual kind of like I work at an ice cream shop and my boyfriend is mysterious and I don't think he's the killer but I'm getting threatening messages oh shit it was totally my hunky boyfriend sort of stuff um, and that was the only one that I really read I was more of a Goosebumps guy. Um, but, like, Fear Street, like, as soon as I saw that a new Fear Street was dropping, I'm gonna level with you. I was expecting garbage, and I was perfectly excited to watch garbage. Yeah, and, and it actually kind of transcended that in a very pleasant way. It now, really did. we have to did. talk about the first scene of the movie. The first scene of the movie opens in a mall that is after hours, and we have a girl closing a... Walden Books analog. <laughs> this is representation. As somebody who also once worked at, once worked at a Walden Books in a mall, this immediately brought me back. Um, now, the only thing that I find irksome is, and I don't know, maybe some other people that worked at malls uh, can correct me. When I worked at the mall, I would never fathom opening the register to count down uh, without locking the gate. No! This girl is just in her store gate open <laughs> just waltzing around oh yeah the barn door is wide open and you're just like counting money and yelling like hey i've got an open register over here um and she has a goober friend you find out quickly that both of them are from uh shady side now there are two towns uh both alike in dignity uh where there's sunnyvale and shady side and shady side is the be- is the wrong side of the tracks and you know, there's uh, it's there's a very this Pawnee Eagleton uh, dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> that's more of a Shelbyville idea. Um, <laughs> that's you know, and there's this whole thing about it's almost sort of like uh, original e- uh, evil, sort of like if you're born a, a shady cider, you know, you're 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 cursed. You've got something bad on you. You've got you know, um, and, and so immediately Riverdale ass shit. I eat with a spoon. I love oh, it. Yeah. Oh oh I, yeah. I will always show up for that shit. I feel like this also draws now. Okay, so here's the thing about Fear Street '94, and I can also speak to the other ones for doing the the same thing. Um, it is so much more than the sum of its parts because it's like okay, so it's taking place in 1994. The opening scene is a big homage to Scream where you've got this masked killer chasing, you know, someone in, like, an almost, like, sort of shot-for-shot, like, running and stabbing somebody thing. Um, But it manages to be like, yes, we're drawing on all these influences, but doing something completely new with all of it. Yeah. And it's gay as fuck. Um, It's It's super gay. It's great. It's just, it does my, it does my rotten little heart good. And the fact that, like, it also does my heart good that there are going to be babies watching the new Fear Street on Netflix and getting into horror. Because let me tell you, folks, the the kills in the Fear Street movies are not here to play. No, they are very serious. Now, I need to ask you a very important question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this first kill, uh, our... our cashier is chased into a spencer's gift <laughs> yeah a lot what of black is the light worst store in the mall to be murdered by a masculine in and why is it spencer's gift the last thing you see is like a sopranos poster and a black light like it's <laughs> it's bad that's going to be burned into your retina's wild wild west style from the Can guy that gets his head off. anything worse than a spencer's gifts Anything worse than a Spencer's Gifts? No, no. That's actually the worst thing I can think of. We, Spencer, Spencer's Gifts, have you been in a Spencer's Gifts since you were, like, a, 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 a young person? Sadly, yes, and I immediately regretted it upon <laughs> crossing the threshold into the store. They've pivoted entirely to pervert shit. Like, it, 
you know, before it was like, yeah, you know, like they'll have some cheeky sex dice or something. And now it's just like full on, like we cater to perverts come here to buy dildos, which by the way, guys don't buy sex devices at the mall is my feeling <laughs> like don't anything you're going to use in mall you have to shop you know your mom and pop sex store you, you really do there's yeah a small honest pervert shop just down the road from you the thing about fear street 94 also the soundtrack is fantastic oh yeah it's uh they they said um 90s huh we can do that and they just picked about everything that's iconic from the 90s to play. And they got that yeah. Netflix budget, so they, they do a really good job with it. Yeah, and yeah, and so we, you know, we sort of get uh, a focus on this um, character named uh, Dina, who is the main character, who is super gay, and she is uh, in love with Sam, who is sort of like a nice girl from Sunnyvale who's like closeted as hell, and... It's it's so much about their relationship because Sam basically decides like you know what like I no uh, sorry she's not from Sunny Sunnyvale she is from Shady Side and decides that she wants to like distance herself from Shady Side because your prospects are going to be shit if you do that yeah so she moves to uh, Sunnyvale and like it's this big betrayal because not only is she kind of like spurning her sexuality and she's kind of like masking but she's also masking that like it's it's a really good metaphor for how like you'll always be a shady veiler even if you live in Sunnyside you'll always be your true self you can't just hide who you are yeah, you know, like, once you put on that Southside Serpent's jacket, man, like, it's, you're, you're marked for life. You can never, eventually it's you in the, your jughead, and you're in the woods mutilating someone with a knife, and this is just <laughs> the life you've chosen for yourself, based on the Archie comics. So we have um, to talk about, um, sweetest, uh, Josh in this movie. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. So Josh is, uh, a tiny, adorable fella who really likes, uh, he's, he's a big old nerd, he, he's writing on AOL Messenger. He's writing in Miladies and Malor. <laughs> <laughs> it's representation is so important. Um, he's, you know, it, it's great because uh, it's very, you know, the internet is kind of a thing yet. If you were actually on the internet around this time period, you were a fucking nerd. He also is wearing, and this got me, this stripped me down to my very core because I did the exact same thing at his age. He's wearing an Iron Maiden shirt tucked into his jeans without a belt. Man, the <laughs> see the thing is it's it's incredible energy because it's like, yeah, I'm you know, I know how to party. I like I like Maiden, but also I'm not like a slob. Like I'm going to tuck my shirt in. <laughs> it's incredible. Like he's he's a sweet baby angel. Um now, but also the only one in this movie that knows what's going on. <laughs> oh, he's so genre savvy. I, I think it's also um, the now the whole plot sort of centers around the curse, uh, which is um, we are informed uh, part of a curse laid by a witch named Sarah Fear. Um, get it, Fear Street, and she basically and what we what we see is that people get possessed and they turn into haints and they. Um, just become overwhelmed with the urge to kill, um, and you know I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil uh, the ending uh, any to, uh, to any of this. I will say that there is a kill in this movie where, uh, first of all, we're killing kids in this movie. Second of all, a kid gets his head run through like a meat thresher. It's a it's a bread slicer. There we go. Oh, it's a bread slicer. Like you watch a head get. Fed through a bread slicer, and this is a beloved character that you've been watching for like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, like don't get too attached to anyone in this movie. Because <laughs> it's yeah. not gonna go well. Which I love movies that are not afraid to. Which is also very much that uh, scream the first scene that the the girl that's murdered in the first scene of the movie is not the protagonist yeah and you're you sort of come to expect i mean and also this is a, i think for me a holdover from mtv scream because there are deaths in mtv scream that are like the love interest getting his head bisected by farm equipment 
on camera and you see it happen where like i love that teen horror gets to go this fucking hard in 2021 yeah it's very good i also love that not only do we see your straight white girl pro- who we think is the protagonist get murdered on screen so that we get dina a queer uh teen of color uh <laughs> it's great it's, yeah, so, it's so good. good it's like oh fuck you this is 2021 um even though this is labeled 1994 we're going to like it's almost fix it fiction it's yeah like, we're gonna redo the 90s which which is silly because to say that there weren't like queer people of color in the 90s is ludicrous but right. to actually see them on screen again representation well, is this like really cool thing well yeah and the, the other thing is that this is what it has in common with uh, fear streets uh 78 and 1666 is that's so much of all of these time periods is like yeah there have been queer kids trying to make out in the woods since time fucking immemorial <laughs> like we have always been here like and also horror belongs to the gays that's just that's just a true thing um and yeah like it, it's we don't make the rules. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, yeah, we just enforce them. Uh, honestly, I think uh, this movie took so many, like, there were so many moments when I thought I had it pegged and knew where it was going to be going. And even when it does do the thing that I think it's going to do, it manages to do it in such a fucking fresh, amazing... Guys, if you haven't watched um, any of the Fear Streets yet, I am I am begging you to go on Netflix and watch these. It is... Yeah, I'm gonna. They could release one of these like every week for the rest of my life, and I'm gonna watch every one of them. Oh yeah, and the cool thing is they really kind of set it up for additional sequels. Mm-hmm. We can get Fear Street like 2000. Well, oh my yeah. God. Please, oh my God. Netflix. Oh my God. Listen to this. Do a Fear Street 2000, but make it so that like it's like Fuck. Dracula 2000 or and you got to listen to like Stained and like Jamiroquai and like it's yeah you're welcome to hell. Um, God, 2000 was a it's deeply cursed year. Just an hour and a half of Firestarter <laughs> by the Prodigy. <laughs> That's it. That's all you get. No, it's like 20 plays of Firestarter with one play of Smack My Bitch Up over the credits. Uh, <laughs> It's, yeah, honestly, yeah, guys, you gotta check it out. Um, so where, all right, scrolling way the fuck up the list from the munchies. Um, so I am looking at number 37, The Shape of Water, and I feel like this movie has a lot in common with The Shape of Water, because I Uh think Del Toro in this movie, in his movie, is taking something pretty familiar, the whole creature from the Black Lagoon story, mm-hmm. and updating it. That's a great point. And also there's a thing of, like, queer people have literally always fucking been here um, in the in the two of those. like, And there's also, like, I don't know, a gang of misfits trying to make it work in a world that wants to kill them is always going to be compelling. And I think that's a thing that both of them really have in common. Yeah. Now, above that is Hocus Pocus, and below that is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, all right. I know where I'm going to stake my flag. I know what I'm going to. I know what I'm going to do here. Let's I think for for me, I would be tempted to put Fear Street '94 above Cabin in the Woods, and I'll tell you why. Cabin now, Cabin in the and I don't know if this is just the I've seen it recently effect. So bear with me. Cabin in the Woods is great, and I love it a lot, but. It almost, there's a self, oh, I'm, I'm going to say a mean thing. There's a self-congratulatoriness about it that's like, haha, I get that reference, I watch a lot of horror, um, that occasionally kind of smacks you in the face a little bit where you're like, yes, I get it, you're riffing on Hellraiser, fucking move. Um, where Fear Street 94 will do a thing like, yeah, we're going to do a, sa- a stab scene that looks like it's from Scream, but we've set things up so that you're, you don't feel smug about it, you're just excited and screaming because this is so good. I will agree that Cabin in the Woods is almost too smug to um, be to admit that it's even a horror movie. It's like yeah, it's it's so into making fun of the genre that it's kind of like um, 
a lot of the meme accounts I follow online where it's mm-hmm. like, well, what do you like? Because you're making fun of everything. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's that really, it's this interesting tightrope where sometimes, you know, you see like uh, the hard times, you know, death metal, gu- guitar virtuoso excited to have bad death metal singer ruin all of his songs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, that's also um, Cabin in the Woods. Like, again, it's at 38 on our list of over 500 movies. We obviously really like it. Um, but I mean, you're, that's that's what it is, is like, it, it is funny in the way that, like, I mean, it's a funny fucking movie. The jokes totally land. But I, it's, yeah, there are moments when I'm kind of, you know, it's it's a little bit much. And I, you know, listen, we all love being pandered to, but there are times that it, it's a little too much for me with that, where with this... It is made up of so many different parts and never feels the need to elbow like elbow me in the ribs about it and tell me what a special, special person I am for getting it. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah. And now, I, yeah. I also really like the idea that this is a... It's the number... At the time of recording, it's like in the top ten movies on Netflix. God damn. That just my my heart grew three sizes. That's just fucking wonderful. Yeah, so there is something about like a movie that does this genre that we've devoted our free time to mm-hmm. uh actually like making good. There's part of me that's that kind of pushes this movie because it's like, okay, it deserves it. It's kinda of like how mm-hmm. Bob Backlund wouldn't drop the belt <laughs> to Hulk Hogan. He had to drop it to the Sheik. Mm-hmm. And then Sheik dropped it to Hogan. It from, yeah, and then Hulk Hogan got it from the Sheik. It's like Yes, I'm glad that if a movie cracks the top ten of the Netflix algorithm, at least it's this movie (laughs) yeah absolutely right and also i mean the thing is like cabin in the woods i love very much um i you know the first time i finished watching it i went wow that was really good and i i think at three different points while watching fear street 94 i out loud blurted i fucking love horror (laughs) like (laughs) anything that i watch where i just get so excited about horror as a thing and i'm like yeah oh yeah horror is the greatest fucking thing in the world this i'm I'm so happy if you ran up to a bunch of youths at a uh, orange julius and hoisted in their hands what a thumb drive not even that just like you hold your nfc on your phone up and say please receive these films yeah yeah completely like it's I just think it's, it should be fear street and not cabin in the woods yeah i think so too i think cabin in the woods they might have a good time with but this is like I mean, the fact that it's old fucks like us who adore it, and obviously enough of the youths that it's yeah, fuck yeah. You know. Obviously, someone besides old old crusty fucks is enjoying this movie. Yeah, and it just it's wonderful. Now, I think I'm putting it above Cabin in the Woods for that reason, but I think I want to put it put it just below The Shape of Water because uh, The Shape of Water makes me cry my goddamn eyes out every time I watch it, and it's I I can't I can't bring myself to do it. I also think Del Toro in that movie has a singular vision that Fear Street doesn't really have its own like aesthetic. It's it's literally doing that Stranger Things. We're gonna just do other stuff. We're not gonna do oh, it yeah. hard. We're not gonna go Duffer Brothers hard with hey, remember this and remember this. Yeah, but they still do it. That's totally true, actually. Like it's, and I they, think it's sort they of they literally murder a girl in a Spencer's kit. Man, that, that's just the you know when you get to the pearly gates and you're talking to the other angels and it's like, oh, how'd you die, fella? You're like, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Um, that's we don't we don't need to get into how I died or how the last thing I looked at was a Bob Marley poster. I really do appreciate that one of the Halloween masks in the store is the Rocktober Blood Killers mask. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I think you're totally right that like it doesn't have that like singular aesthetic because the nature of the thing i mean it's called goddamn fear street 94 um it necessarily has to look like other things in a way that i mean guillermo del toro crafted something completely singular in my opinion uh aesthetically and so yeah so i feel i feel pretty good about that um so coming in at our new number 38 uh, above cabin in the woods but below the, the shape of water is fear street 1994 um guys Holy shit. Again, I know I've already said this. If you haven't seen it, p- 
please treat yourself. It it, it will it will it'll uh, put uh, it'll put the gas back in your tank. You know what I yeah, mean? Like uh, your stamp of approval on this one. It'll water your crops. It'll clear your skin. Uh, Quincy, where can listeners find us on the internet? Uh, a great place to find um, a lot of what we do is our podcast network's website, FaustianNonsense.com. Uh, there you can find a link to our Discord, you can find our podcast feed, and you can find a link to our Patreon. Yeah, where we do a bunch of uh, different canon films. Really, it's just an excuse for us to talk about uh, Sylvester Stallone. For It's like it's like a backdoor pilot for our spinoff podcast, On the Sly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so go check us out there. We're on just about every platform uh, you could want to uh, find us on. Uh, we have a Discord. Uh, that is, you can find the link for that on our uh, website at FaustianNonsense.com. Uh, go and join and uh, exchange upsetting memes and, and true crime uh, articles you found. Uh, but barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks. <laughs>